With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romeverse. It's episode 114. Uh, we are back recording on Tuesday, a couple days after Argentina lifted the World Cup trophy for the first time uh, since the Maradona era. Messi gets his World Cup. So guys, how are you feeling? What do you think of that game on Sunday? Quite the, quite the match. I would say that's probably the best individual football or soccer game that I've ever seen as a neutral uh, I th- I don't like I I was not particularly tied to either Argentina's quest for another World Cup. I was a little tied to France. Just I have some family from there, and I've lived there for a year, but not not as tied as I am for Italy or the United States. And so, from the perspective of someone who was relatively neutral, that might be the best game of soccer or football that I've seen. Period. Live. That that I I think that's a fair assessment like three three extra time goals goes to penalties like that was just a beautiful match to watch an exciting intriguing match to watch yeah i think yeah. Uh, go ahead brandon i was gonna say um that's definitely a fair assessment and i think it's it's definitely a fair shot for one of the best games that i've ever seen um I'm not going to definitively label it number one just because I don't uh, want to fall victim to recency bias. And right now I can't really place um, what else would be up there, but it was, it was a crazy game to watch Um, just for con by way for context. I um, typically root for Italy um, with them not being in the tournament, obviously, it was going for Portugal because I like so many of their players um, because of my rooting interest for City. And then I fall on the Ronaldo side of the Messi-Ronaldo debate. So with this being his last World Cup, uh, I kind of had them as my second team. And so then once they were out, I'm all in on team Mbappe. So how to go with France. And so, and also being a Ronaldo guy, didn't want to see Argentina win it, obviously. So for about the first 70 minutes or the start of the match, I was pretty despondent, um, not really interacting too much with the other folks in the room. And then, boom, Mbappe happened. First goal, second goal, tie game, and the game exploded into life. And then from there, it just felt like um, a heavyweight matchup where they're just throwing haymakers back and forth. Um and then, unfortunately, you know, Argentina win at the end, and Messi gets his storybook ending, which, for the neutral, is probably awesome to see. For me, not so much, but yeah, awesome game. Yeah, ma- amazing match. I mean, <clears throat> it was one that Argentina really took to France for the first half, and then into the second half. And you're right, and, and Mbappe just kind of exploded. And when they got the first goal, I was like, all right, now we have game on. And then he scored a, like a minute or so later on that half volley, lo- lovely finish. Um, and then you could see Messi turned it back on. He almost scored late to to win it after it was three, uh, three, three two, two. Um, and I think it was like the 94th minute or something. Yeah. Um, I don't want to fall to like recency bias either, which is why I'm not going to say it was the best match I've ever seen, but it was certainly up there for a World Cup final. It has to be, you know, not having ties to the match, like Jim said, like Italy winning in 2006, most exciting for me, but that was a one one game that went to penalty kicks. This was just 
you know, back and forth heavyweight blows once, once France got into it. Um, one, one match it made me think of is I actually saw Argentina and Brazil play at MetLife stadium back about 10 years ago. And uh, Messi scored a hat trick to beat Brazil late. And that was, that was quite the scene. That wow. was a friendly with 82,000 people at a full MetLife stadium in New Jersey. Um, so in terms of in-person, that might've been the best match I've ever seen in person. Uh, and that involved Messi and Argentina as well. Uh, I was rooting for Argentina. It tends to be the, one of the, the the third team or so that I root for after Italy and the United States, the two teams I'm actually like tied to by citizenship and, and bloodlines. Um, you know, Argentina, as Brent called him in uh, his piece, who were rooting for a piece that he did. They're kind of like Italy's like cousins, so to speak, South American cousins with the the strong Italian immigration there. And so many players are playing in Serie A and everything. So I, I, I was rooting for them. I was happy to see Messi win. Um, to me, that was kind of the last feather in his cap to, I guess, it still has some people saying Maradona was still better to me. He, he was always better than Maradona. I haven't seen Maradona play nearly as much as Messi and never saw him live. Um, but it's hard to say anything but Messi being the best from what I've seen in terms of his sheer output, right? Um, but I think that gives him an argument in the Argentine circles where, you know, older folks might favor Maradona. At least now Messi has that World Cup to equal him. And I, I just think it was, you know, Argentina from the beginning looked kind of lost in that match against Saudi Arabia. And then they, they didn't roll through the group like you'd expect. They didn't trail much in the tournament. In fact, they only trailed like 30-something minutes because they never trailed in this match either. Um, but they got it done. So credit to them. Uh, and one guy I'm particularly happy for, even though he didn't play a huge role, was Paulo Dybala. Uh, I was, you know, hurting for him through the first, you know, through the quarterfinals. Didn't get any minutes. And then finally got, I think it was about 20 minutes or so. of It was basically garbage time with Argentina, up 3 nothing against Croatia. And then came on and had an impact in the final in extra time. Was basically brought off for penalty kicks. But in the in the process, he actually made a huge block uh, on Mbappe or took the ball off Mbappe in the box after he beat a couple players. Might have saved Argentina in the match right there, and then he buried his penalty kick. So happy for Dybala, first Roma player to win a World Cup uh, since 2006, so 16 seasons um, when Totti, De Rossi, and Perotto were part of Italy's World Cup winning squad. So great to see a Roma player lift the trophy, and uh, I'm hoping it leads to some more good play for Dybala heading into the second half of the season. Yeah, but the fun fact is it's not actually that rare for a Roma player to win the World Cup. This is the ninth time, ninth World Cup that has resulted in a Roma player winning the World Cup. That's actually the highest among all clubs worldwide. So, Which is interesting because it's been so long. I, I actually, in my preview of the match, put it in there. I think they had, before Dybala, I think he was the 16th player to actually lift it for Roma. I mean... Obviously, the 30s, they got had they had like six guys between those two Italy sides of one and 34 and 38. But then you're right. I think um, through like the 80s and 90s, they had a couple of German players, a couple. Uh, they had a, Bra- um, a Brazilian on the 94 squad. So, yeah, they, they've been spread out. Candela on the 98 France squad. So interesting that they've had uh, the most World Cups with a, a winner. That's uh, certainly a fun fact. I mean, Jimmy- Roma's not. Yeah, Roma's not Inter, but I feel like Roma has had like the happy medium between being very Italian based and still having a rather large international presence for Serie A, even when Serie A was at its peak. Uh, so I, I would say that you know it kind of makes some logical sense. Jimmy, has the has the club been promoting that? Because I, I feel like I haven't seen that, and if I was the social media admin, I'd kind of be all over that. Yeah, you'd think the social media admin would be more on it, but no, I I saw that from like who scored, and that was it. Like I saw one crazy. mention of it from who scored, and that was it. I think they're happy enough that we got Dybala in there for like sixteen minutes in the final, because let's be uh, real, <laughs> like let's be real for a moment. <laughs> the only possible reason Dybala played as little as he did in that tournament and he's let's be clear he's been a consummate professional about this throughout the entire thing like the journalists have been asking him and the coach repeatedly like hey why isn't Dybala playing more why aren't you playing more Dybala and he's basically just said like you know I'm here I'm happy that I'm here after my injury like I'm here at the at the basically at the service of the coach I will do what's necessary for us to win and he was obviously you know a crucial element of that penalty shootout but he should have played more like we can we can be a little bit of a homer right now with him and say, like, he definitely should have played more throughout this tournament. The real answer there is that it's quite obvious that, you know, on some level, I don't think Messi wants a player who 
plays as similarly to him as Dybala does in the starting 11. Uh, you guys can tell me if I'm out of pocket there. But that 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 was my main takeaway from this World Cup, that the fact that Argentina was able to win it is fantastic for them. They probably could have won it more easily if Dybala was in the starting 11. I, I do think the similarities is probably why he played so little. I, I guess he was looking for more of a, a striker to go with Messi. He started with Lotaro. But he's the second most talented player on that, that squad. Let's be real. Like, he, he's certainly, he's Lotaro certainly would be there. third, and he was out of form. I, I don't know if I'd even rate Lotaro third. I, I thought he had a terrible tournament. I think he oh, hasn't really stinks. been great for Inter. Yeah, I, I don't think then he's been who's great number, for Inter. Then, then, uh, dude, then who's stinks. number two other than Dybala? Maybe Alvarez, uh, oh, you know, for Fernandez yeah. had a really good tournament. I mean, there's other talented players. There, sure, are, but players I, I think... ha- there are players who had good tournaments, but I'm talking about like long-term ability at a higher level. And I think that outside of Messi, it's basically Dybala, right? Like, like that's in terms the second. Of sheer, in terms of sheer talent, probably, probably has to be, right? But I, I think that's the problem is they're both kind of that number 10 type player in that setup. And you can't play both of them together all the time you have no size in the box you don't really have a, a strike. I mean the I, bi- think- I guess I would just say that the bigger argument that I would make is that like I am happy that Messi who I view as you know probably one of the greatest of all time uh was able to get a world cup before capping off his career good for him and I think the, the if biggest they, if they hadn't the- done that if they hadn't been able to pull that off let's say Mbappe gets like one more goal which definitely yeah, seemed like nearly did. Happened, <laughs> yeah it almost yeah did. Exactly. Like if if that game had ended four to three with an Mbappe four goal superstar performance, and by the way, it is no longer up for debate. Mbappe is the best player in the world right now. Um, if that had happened, you can I I would bet you a million dollars that a lot of people would be saying why wasn't DiBala played more? Because he should have been played more. He's the second most talented player on that team. And talk about tactics all you want, but like imagine if Mourinho had a guy who was quite obviously the second most talented player on the team and he barely saw the pitch. Yeah. I think what surprised me even more wasn't that he didn't start because I could see where you would say, okay, he's too similar to Messi or whatever. Um, But some of those matches early on, they were struggling to score goals and he didn't even get off the bench. That was what surprised me. I think a little bit more was, was when they fell behind to Saudi Arabia, he didn't try him. Uh, when they were, you know, struggling in one of their other group matches, uh, I think it was against Poland to score for a while. He didn't play, so that that's what I think got me the most. Yeah, I'll just uh, well, first thing I want to say is if Mbappe had pulled off that last move in the 122nd minute or what have you, where he was trying to take three dudes on and nearly got a shot off, that would have been the greatest moment in football history. Yep. I will, you know, bet the house on that if that had happened. Um, going to the uh, Dybala argument, Steve, I definitely take your point. Um, and I would say to Jimmy, I don't know that it's so much, you know, Messi not wanting to um, have Dybala in the side. I just think that at his age and his lack of defense, defensive work rate, yeah, combined with you know the other shortcomings in the side, that you just kind of ha- need to have like all these workhorses around him, and so that's why somebody as talented as Dabal is kind of pushed out of the side. But to Stephen's point, when they're struggling to score in the 60th, 70th minute, what have you, you know, I'd rather trail on Dabal than some of the other guys that they were calling upon. Um, but you know. I mean, him I just, guess I would just him, yeah. Him just come, yeah, I would. Well, I would just say like him just coming back from injury. Like I see the logic, and maybe playing it safe, but definitely some of those matches he should have been coming on, um, you know, pretty early on. I mean, we can all remember a certain player who came back from injury for a World Cup and became a crucial part of a World Cup winning side, can't we? Like, I mean. I don't have damn, to even say the damn. name. Like we, you're comparing Dybala to Totti. Oof. Oh, the Totti podcast. No, I, I don't know, I, I man. Get... I think that we 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 have all agreed that the person who is closest to Totti, who has played for Roma since Totti, is Dybala, right? Like that. That is yeah. not up yeah, to debate. Yeah, yeah, the closest. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, time. like, no, I 100. I I get it, but like, yeah. I would just say that, like, 
there were definitely matches that Roma that uh, Argentina. Sorry, I'm getting PTSD to Roma matches earlier this year. Um, that Argentina played where it was like, okay, quite obviously in terms of talent, Messi is the number one person here, even if he's not at his total peak. Like this is the most talented player on the pitch. Who's the second most talented player who could be playing this match right now? And the objective answer is Paolo Dybala. And I understand tactical decisions. I understand the fact that he was coming back from an injury. At the same time, can you imagine the uproar that would have happened if they hadn't won the World Cup and Dybala had played that little? Like, this was not, like, just a open and shut case for Argentina winning this World Cup. Let's be clear. Like, there were definitely moments where it was like, no, no one thought this was like a cakewalk for them to win this World Cup. And just like Brazil, like, ended up losing on a penalty shootout, you don't, there, there could have been a chance at some point during this World Cup where Argentina lost it on that slim of a margin. And if Argentina had lost it on that slim of a margin, you don't think somebody would be saying right now, hey, you had one of the more talented players in Europe sitting on your bench. 85% of the time. What the hell are you doing? Like, I I'll, I'll, I mean, like, I'm coming at this from the perspective of someone who is very much scarred by the Italy won the 2021 Euros, so nothing has to change for the 2022 World Cup qualifying rounds. Like, I will be 100% honest. That's the perspective that I'm coming at from this. Like, it's understand. I- like, things, like, you can't just like rely on the fact that you won to be a dictate, like to dictate that you will succeed in the future. And I guess that's kind of what I'm saying here. That like, yeah. So going back to mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. Yeah, I'll just go back to the Tolti point for a minute. And I know from reading Tolti's autobiography that like Leapy was with him all through the rehab, um, you know, portion after the injury, and he was like, "I need you here. I need you here." And he was always a key member of leapy's plans i don't know if dibala was always a key part of argentina's plans from like a starting 11 standpoint I, and i think you know certainly i don't want to say he's on the same talent level as Toti because Toti we know is on another level but he's up there right he's the the, the most talented attacking player Roma's had since Toti, probably the most talented player overall since Toti's been in town and i just don't know if the perception of him in argentina is at the same level as Toti in italy i, I think Toti was really the only true Recortista on that 2006 side and Leapy really wanted him for that role where he can open up play and I think he ended up with four assists and he, he didn't even play a lot of full matches because he was coming back um, whereas you have Messi there right so I think it's the same thing if like Totti was coming back from injury for this Argentina side Messi's still a little bit better than I don't know maybe not a little bit he's better than Totti right <laughs> as much as it hurts to say that right he, he, he's one of the best players of all time so wow. maybe he becomes maybe no, he becomes man. okay do not do not open this can of worms right now do not yeah. do not well, open the Tolti versus Messi can of worms right because I will just tell day. you yeah but... I will just I will just tell you right now that like Tolti was the romantics choice in the sense that he never went to rate like if Tolti had yes. been from Argentina and had been picked up in the same way that Messi was so that eight, from age 14, he was playing for Barcelona. We would be having a very different conversation about this than we are right now. If, like, I, remember like, my, if I remember my quotes correctly, I believe that Maradona loved Pauti almost as much as he loved, loves Mes- loved Messi. So yes. like, they're, they're, he was held in pretty high esteem. Yeah, I, I guess I would just say more like since we're now on Pauti versus Messi. Like we 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 have now where we were planning only on a Roma podcast, right? Exactly. (laughs) Now that we're having this conversation, we're we're skipping uh, as as one-time World Cup winners. Um, (laughs) I will say that it's very nice that Messi has finally entered Francesco Totti's echelon as a World Cup winner. Um, (laughs) good for good good for him. Um, but beyond that, I would say that you know, the conversation has been had countless times about what would have happened with Totti if he had moved to Real Madrid. And the answer, in my eyes, is quite clearly that if Totti had moved to Real Madrid, he would have probably a couple Ballon d'Or under his belt. And oh, we would yeah. be having, I think the we, numbers we would be would having be way, yeah, yeah. way more inflated conversations. Yeah. And like the like the reason why AS Roma's SB Nation website is called Chiesa di Totti 
is because he stayed in Roma. Was that the best career decision for him? I would go as far as saying no. Like I, I will like like in terms of his personal career, not in terms of like legacy, etc. Like in terms of winning, he probably should have gone and been a Galactico at Rome at Real. Oh no, I question. Think we can yeah, all, we if you want to win trophies, that, right? it's not at Roma. Yeah, and even yeah. even I've been seeing some lists. Uh, you know, I think I forget what website put it out, but it was like top fifty players all time, right? And I think I think it was Messi one, Maradona, like Pele, like Beckham, Barrow, like those kind of players, right? And then you see both Buffon was like thirty seven, and and Totti's not even in that list, right? If Totti goes and plays for Real Madrid and and scores he's definitely in that list yeah he's in that list no question in terms of talent alone he's probably in there with some of those players i saw mentioned uh i can't recall off the top of my head who i mean while Totti was playing he was in pele's list of the best players of all time yeah and like i that you know i i think that i would say that because he's decided to stay at roma uh Totti is officially like kind of how the comedian like people say sometimes like he's a comedian's comedian I think that outside of Rome and Italy, Totti is like the footballer's footballer, if that makes sense. Like he is. Yeah, the... he's he's very well respected in terms of like peers, right, or past, yeah. you know, players and things like that. I will I say think... that. Yeah, yeah. I will say that the uh, that Totti Real Madrid shirt would have gone crazy. It would have been quite <laughs> the vintage collection item now. Bend it like Franche. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing is, I don't know if I would have been a, a, a Romanista at this point because he would have left probably about the time I was starting to get into Calcio. So, you know, no, we're all happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, would never say exactly. that it was a mistake from my perspective as an individual for him to stay at Roma. Like, what's this, what's the line from uh, the Sandlot? Uh, Legends never die. Yeah, like, yeah. Like that's what that's what he did that that's that's the choice that he made he made the choice to like be a legend not only in a city but a country by staying with roma forever yeah like, i think and, it was heroes get remembered that. and let but legends never die it was something to exactly. that extent okay. like he would have been a hero at real madrid probably winning like a la liga title or two or something but at roma he's a legend right and he's probably not a legend like, at real would club. never have retired his number 10 yeah. no shout out shout out fake babe ruth yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point being, like, I, I will always bristle at the uh, Totti versus anybody comparison simply because I think that he made the romantic and noble, but ultimately. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It was like self-sacrifice dare really, I say in a way, stupid, right? Dare I say it's stupid decision <laughs> to not go to a major club. Like, I'll just like pu- I, yeah. I'll just punctuate this topic by saying that during the game, what did I wear? Donkey's 06 Italy jersey. <laughs> that's yep. the only shirt that's appropriate to wear during the World Cup final. Um, well, you'll have to and... excuse me about that one. I did wear an Mbappe kit during the final i don't you know i i had one of those available and, <laughs> just in case uh, chose not to wear it did i impulsively buy a france mbappe kit right after the game i sure did the france kits are always clean <laughs> man that's I, know, I know i know i, I can't know. bring myself to wear a france kit as an italy supporter <laughs> that's one of the teams that's like up on my on my list that I, of teams i will not like root for up there with mexico as a u.s supporter you know, uh, see, I, that's how I, I feel about England and uh, Spain. Those two, England, Spain, Spain Germany, I don't like three to root that for, I can't do. I don't like to root for Spain either. Um, England, I, I don't have a problem with England. I know there's like a lot of anti-England probably because of the Premier League and like that uh, superiority complex, I guess, for a nation that's never really won much. But uh, I don't have that much of a problem with England, I guess, because Italy's never really played them except for the Euro final would beat them. Um, but yeah, France is up there as a team I don't really care for. I, I tend not to root for Germany just because they're even on stars with Italy. And, you know, we don't want to fall down the hierarchy after not qualifying two in a row. Mm. Um, <laughs> and we've, we've fallen. We have fallen. It's too late, man. Yeah. Like, like we're now at the point where they're going to be like, let's be real. 
you don't think that the the FIGC or FGIC has been uh, pushing for a for that expansion of the World Cup? Like they they know how butt we've been over the past <laughs> decade when it comes to World Cup qualifying. They know that that the uh, that the thirty two team pot isn't good enough for us anymore. It's 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 sad, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I never, and this was in you know 2018. Never thought I'd see Italy not qualify. They qualified every time in my life, uh, anytime, yeah. especially since I've been paying attention. Two times in a row, it's embarrassing. And then for it to happen twice, like for the U.S. not to qualify was embarrassing enough in Concacaf, but then for Italy not to do it also in the same year, 2018 was a bad tournament for 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 me, right? Uh, on a personal level, I'm sure you too. Um, yeah. yeah, Italy needs to to figure things out. The expanded field. I'm curious how the expanded field will affect the overall match play i think it probably uh, waters it down so a bit yeah, yeah i mean we, we, i don't know I, i'm kind of skeptical about that though just because like i think we can all agree that with this world cup at least there were far fewer drubbings than there normally are like yeah i mean the only were, other problem than qatar is... itself there were other than qatar itself and maybe canada it was ne- there was never a situation where it was like Man, this team sucks. And I think you the were just problem, watching like everyone beat up on them, right? Yeah, I think the problem though is, you know, I think Europe's getting like three or four more spots, which they already have quite a few. You know, South America get a few. Those teams, I'm sure, will all be competitive. Now, the Asian teams that were here, the South Koreas, the Japans, Australia, you know, even Saudi Arabia, I think to a, to a point they're competitive with the, the yeah. mid to upper level European and South American size. They prove that. Um, but then like South Korea went against Brazil and really got handled. Um, but I don't know if when you get started into like the fifth, sixth, seventh place, Asian side or African side, if they're also as competitive, um, especially in Asia, because who, who's next in line after like South Korea and Eldor Shemurdov. I do think you, you will get some lopsided things. They're going to be three team groups, which will be interesting if no they do they're not that they're route. not doing they're not doing that oh did they yeah i i, I think yeah. the best way is to keep it with four i think three gets funky um, yeah and infantina is doing that elon musk thing where he says something he pulls and changes, people yeah. pull, like changes <laughs> it the next day yeah 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 well what, what they want agree. the world cup every two years now now they people said no now he's talking about every three years i saw today or something like just keep it yeah. four you yeah, know yeah, I, that man is an absolute clown yeah 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 but uh, Infantino was like, yeah, the, the group stage this year was so successful. We'll just keep it this way. Um, yeah. and so they're, it's, they're, it's been working for how long? Oh, gee, like, you know. <laughs> it's a reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And speaking but of Infantino, I, I gotta, is he – Yeah. Go, I was going to say, is he the one yeah. that proposed the um, Club World Cup too, right? That's supposed yep, to be kicking off in two years. Yeah. Roma will be there. Like let's just let's just put that out front. Like it's gonna be the super it'll be the super club teams that were part of the European Super League, like Roma and maybe a couple of South American clubs. Like I do not see that expanding much beyond that. I don't know how seriously teams will take it though. Yeah. At least to start. And and it's I feel like if it's a club world cup, you have to include some of the better Asian, you know, clubs from Japan or the A League or, you know, what you know, whatever in Korea and feel like you're going to have to incorporate a couple African sides, right? And North American sides. So I don't know yeah. how it's going to look in, with only 32 BC teams. Because... United versus <laughs> versus Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah I well, mean, I, I, Dynamo and... versus Barcelona. <laughs> it'll be uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how many they give to Europe, how many to South America, because you have some iconic clubs in South America, too, that you're going to have to make part of a club world cup especially yeah but the problem Brazil. here is that it's just so concentrated the problem is that yeah. like as all the talent to, goes to europe right as opposed to national team talent yeah exactly like national team talent you can at least say like you know the talent rises to the top there are scouts worldwide who are looking for players with club level talent it's like anybody who's anybody is trying to get to europe still like we're not yeah. like let's be real like nobody who's decent is even staying in South America. Like, yeah, I mean, you look at the Argentine roster, Neymar, how many guys yeah, exactly. were in South America? And like on the flip side of that, look at how bum some of the players are who make it from South America to Europe who still are like consistent starters for yeah. for their national team. Like Matias Vina, <laughs> like, like consistent starter for Ur- Uruguay. 
absolute butt at Roma. Like, that's the problem. That's the problem with the Club World Cup if you're trying to present it as a best clubs from each continent thing. They're going to be able to – the European clubs are going to beat up on everybody else way far more easily than the European national teams are able to beat up on, you know, the national teams from the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that – pans out if they're going to take like just the champion from say the top five European leagues and spread out the love a little bit. It'll be interesting because they didn't really release any details from what I saw. And yeah, I mean, in terms of how big an event this will end up being like, I feel the best way to have determined this in the first place is how they, the current or, you know, the soon to be old format is where it's just a, the winners of the Champions League, the Continental Cups, um, play each other because I feel like that's what it will mostly end up boiling down to, um, depending on how the bracket shakes out. Um, you know, going off of what you guys were speaking to with the with the difference in quality with these teams. So I don't know. I feel like is it? Do we know if this is going to be a summer thing, winter thing? I would assume it's kind of gotta be a summer because if it's no nah, man, it's gonna it's gonna be whatever uh, whatever country spends the most money to to bribe people. Oh, it, yeah, you know, cool. like it, yeah, it, cool. it's gonna be bribery two point Come on, man! It'll like, be should, it'll be showed, in a, like Riyadh or somewhere, right? Like it'll be on Mars if Elon Musk pays <laughs> enough, man. Like like it'll be wherever they want it to be if the pay is high. Yeah, and it'll be whenever they want it to be when the pay is high. Like. FIFA is incredibly lucky that this was probably one of the best World Cups that I've ever watched. Like, yes, let's especially be honest. with all the controversy they were incredibly that was surrounding lucky. it, right? Considering how much controversy there was around the World Cup, they are incredibly lucky that we had some of the most watchable games in footballing history yeah. happen at this World Cup. Because without that, and with all of the drama that happened, whether it was journalists passing away in Qatar or workers passing away in Qatar, or a million other things. This would have been a massive mess. Yeah. And they basically, you know, they they rolled sixes on everything. Like, they, they, they got it to work out. Just where, would you, where would you put this on your uh, all-time World Cup ranking list? In terms of drama, it's got to be up there. In terms of overall match play, though, like, I think part of the reason we saw some of these smaller national sides pull these upsets like Morocco and and some of these teams that pulled these big upsets is because it was midseason and some of the bigger countries, their their regulars are so taxed in the middle of the season. I think it certainly helped kind of add to the drama, though. Because not, this was the first time since I think it was 98 or 2002 that nobody went 3-0 in the group stage, right? Like, Brazil, France, they all rotated yep. squad in that third game and and they lost to teams way below them, way below probably even their second squad on paper. Um, so I wonder if that's what added to the drama, which made it a good World Cup, but at the same time, if the overall match play maybe wasn't as good as we've seen in past World Cups. I would say, so I've been actively watching soccer from, I would say, 06 to, to now. Um, so that six World Cup is one of my uh, more formative memories with with getting really into the game. But um, so I think nostalgia being a big part of it, that that's far and away number one for me in terms of World Cups. I would probably put this number two. Um, I think 2014 was kind of one to forget outside of that 7-1 jobbing to Brazil by Germany. Um, But and then 2010 sucked because Italy didn't even get out the groups and Spain went on to win after, uh, you know, and would go on to break our hearts in various Euro matchups over the years. So um, hated that one as well. So I think, I think, you know, by process of elimination, this one was definitely number two for me, but all the games are fun. I think the Netherlands-Argentina game was arguably just as much fun as this um, final was. I think the sticks obviously were what they were, but um, in terms of the suspense and all of that stuff, 
especially with that free kick by the Netherlands to, to equalize. Um, that one was right out there. So all, all the games were a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, I would put 06 was also a very pivotal moment for me in my development as a fan of soccer slash football. In fact, it's basically what brought me to Roma because we all know the Francesco Totti is Francesco Totti and that that World Cup was special. Um, so that'll always have a sentimental place in my heart. In terms of just seeing, like, there's no better final, in my opinion. Like, apologies to Zidane and apologies to Totti. But, like, in terms of marquee finals, I feel like Mbappe, as a 23-year-old, already being as good as he is versus Messi trying to get a World Cup to top off an unimpeachable resume is perhaps the best final that you could craft. Like this, Mbappe is a player who, if he had won that second World Cup, would basically already be in the conversation with players like Pele um, for being some of the best to ever do it. Whereas Messi, you know, as I said already, was trying to cap off an incredible career and he did so successfully. So from my perspective, if I take off my sentimental glasses a little bit, I'd probably put this World Cup number one. 06 is number one for me because Italy won, because it's what got me into soccer big time. But this World Cup was fantastic. There there were not too many matches where I was like, this is really boring to watch, and that's special. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I didn't get to watch as many matches as I would have liked because of it being when it is and having to work through most of the matches, but I caught some of those early matches while well, I was eating breakfast or a part of them at least and, and the weekend matches and, and the stuff over Thanksgiving weekend and stuff. And they, there were a lot of very exciting matches, especially the knockout rounds. You had some upsets. You had, I think more penalty kick matches than any other world cup too. If I remember correctly hearing that stat. So certainly a lot of things to get excited about. I agree. Oh, six sentimental value. It's always gonna be number one for me, unless Italy wins again at some point. Um, but it's definitely one of the better world cups and, uh, I'm hoping this isn't recency bias on our part, but in terms of our lifetime and our, you know, soccer watching, you know, time span, I, I definitely think it's up there. I don't remember 10 or 14 or 18 being nearly as exciting either. Um, and O2 is when I first started watching and I, I only remember really watching a couple Italy matches, especially the heartbreak to, uh, to South Korea with that, that winner Byron Moreno refereeing that match and, giving our, our boy Totti a red card for diving, which was not a dive looking back, but there's no bar back then. So um, bitter about that one. So I guess this one was above all those other ones. So um, yeah, I think it, it it played out well for FIFA in, in the end um, because there was a lot of controversy with this in terms of timing and, and all the other political stuff and hum- humanitarian stuff. So at least it turned out to be good from a, a soccer fan perspective, a football fan perspective, whatever you want to call it. Um, and and now it's back to Roma, right? So <laughs> we're going to hopefully Hooray! get as, as much excitement from Roma. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So, yeah, it's time to talk about Roma now. I mean, uh, they have been active during this World Cup. Uh, you know, the whole Italian contingent with the, with the side, unfortunately, um, in terms of an Italy perspective. And they have been playing matches. We talked about the Japan tour a couple of weeks ago. Um, now they're in Portugal. They've played a couple friendlies recently. Uh, Jose Mourinho has been linked to a dual Portugal Roma role. That's kind of been, uh, hushed down a bit now in recent days. I know Brandon, you and, and Bren kind of debated the the pros and cons of Mourinho having a dual managing role. I don't think that's going to happen now. Um, but in terms of Roma on the pitch, they, they played two friendlies so far in, um, in Portugal. The first one was Friday, um, and it was a three nothing loss to Cadiz, who I believe is in last place, definitely in the relegation zone in Spain after Matias being a friendlies. friendlies. Yes, friendlies, but at the same time, Jim, uh, quite a few of our regulars did play in terms in terms of Abraham, Pellegrini, Zaniolo, Mancini, Kumbula, you know, um some of those I guys. I get it. I get it. I'm just like they're friendlies. And in the preseason when we have friendlies. Do we have meltdowns if they lose? No, 
I, I'm not having a meltdown, but I'm just looking at. No, the, I'm just saying the, that the, I, the... I saw I saw certain I saw certain people in the Twitter in the Romaverse. Well, I mean, there's Twitter. always going to be people in the um, Romaverse panicking over you exactly, know. like you know, Mourinho Mourinho sneezes, and certain people are like, <laughs> "It's over." I guess I would just say like, I watched some of these these matches. I was not getting anything from it beyond like, oh, it's good that these guys are getting their reps in. On the and bright side, they he, did win yesterday against Casapia, who's fifth in Portugal right now. Well, there you go. So I we're, we're like, set to win the Scudetto now. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry to say this, but I do feel like if you watched that preseason game yesterday after watching arguably the greatest final of all time, that you might be a masochist. Yeah, you deserve financial because... restitution. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine going. <laughs> That's just trying to, to like, I guess, ride that World Cup high and be like, I got to watch some kind of football I today. I got to watch something. Yeah. Oh, we're almost playing, right? Like, <laughs> glutton for punishment. Go play. Go play. <laughs> Probably better, grass, better match at the park down the street <laughs> than, uh, yeah. you know, after watching Messi and Mbappe put on that show in the uh, final. But uh, I Mbappe did see. Mbappe a la Roma. Yeah, I did see Pellegrini Please. took a knock and came out in like the 35th minute yesterday. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Obviously, that's the, the last thing Roma could could use is is losing him um, for any period of time with, you know, just, I guess, about two weeks or so before the, the restart of the Serie A season. Um, you know, there was a the comical Tammy Abraham free kick at the closing whistle yesterday that everybody had a, a good chuckle about, including Tammy, because he shot about 40 rows into the the stands. Uh, um, but I think one of the most interesting things Brandon pointed out off the air was that Rick Karsdorp has been reintegrated. He started the match against Cadiz. He was on the bench yesterday against Casapia. So for a guy who is, you know, is mentally distraught and, and Marina was, you know, exiting him out of the, 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 the dressing room to have him even travel with the team. If he's really that hell bent on leaving is, is an interesting move. I'm done with him. Period. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like <laughs> fool me, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, can't get fooled again. To quote uh, George W. Bush, and uh, I I feel that way about Carsdorp at this point. Like I feel like I saw him for the first I don't know two and a half seasons. He was associated with Roma and didn't see anything special. And then he had about a season of very good play, which you know pro- props to him. He was playing at a Europe like all Europe level, and the fact that he's fallen apart now, like I heard that Ajax is calling, let him take him. Like, that's how I feel about it. Like we can sell it, can come in, we can sign somebody else. I am, I don't, I am a anti-drama person when it comes to players on sports teams that I support. And I know that's not necessarily super compatible with Mourinho towards the end of his tenures usually, but at the same time, like, come on, man. You're paid millions of euros to do this job. Like, I would love to be paid millions of euros to do your job. Keep it together. See, I would say that normally it's a reflection of the player's quality. Um, and yeah, sure, you're the star player. Of course, we're going to resolve this and reintegrate you back on the side. Obviously, that's not the case with Rick here. The fair contingent of Roma supporters would argue that uh, Celic is definitively better um some folks would be the other way but there's certainly a debate to be had um but having said that i think that um it kind of just reflects the realities of of the club uh financially where you know there's problem areas in the midfield or in um you know you you want an additional center back and those things need to be addressed before right back when you have you know arguably capable uh, fullbacks in Karsdorp and Chelik. Um And so unless an offer comes in, you can't necessarily afford to offload him or exile him. Um, and so that's why we're seeing him, you know, or th- you know, that's potentially why we're seeing him being reintegrated inside the way that he is. Um, and I think, it, you know, it's kind of just a question, uh, a function of the, the, the structure of the club. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely part of it, right? If you say loan out Carstor, because that was a lot of the rumors as he'd go here or there on loan, who are you bringing in to replace him and at what cost? Roma's not going to want to spend money 
in terms of a negative expenditure in loaning out Karsdorp and having to pay to bring someone in. And if you bring someone in on loan, are they even up to Karsdorp's level as, as much as Jimmy doesn't value him? He's probably, you know, a replacement level player, at least maybe slightly above replacement level to use like a baseball term. Um, and you want to resolve issues in the midfield. Like Bobe is supposed to be going, but he's, he's been playing in these friendlies. I think they're waiting for a suitable replacement there, even though I think with when Haldem coming back, you probably have enough cover. We'll see what happens there. Um, if you want to bring in another center back, like it's been rumored, you don't want to spend the money at right back, I think. So certainly interesting. To defend and- myself, to defend myself. It's not that I don't value him. It's quite patently that Mourinho and management don't value him, right? Like this, this guy has been exiled multiple times from multiple managements, from multiple managers. Like he's quite clearly a problem on some level. And again, like I will say that he had a good stretch. Like, I don't think anyone would deny that. But the fact of the matter is two different ownership groups, two different managers decided that he was not up to snuff. One of them sent him back to the Netherlands. The other is trying to do that right now. And like, you're trying to tell me to like, keep the faith. And I, I'm a little skeptical of the idea that I should keep the faith of a player who has been not up to snuff twice. Yeah, I think it's just from a negotiating standpoint, Roma will have a lot more leverage come the summer when they have enough time to find a suitable replacement and, you know, find a club willing to at least maybe pay a reasonable amount or some kind of loan with, with obligation to buy the the summer later, something to that effect, because there, there's a club he can be useful to. I think, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of clubs in Europe. I think that would, would give him a shot. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I was just shocked. He was reintegrated because it seemed like he was dead man walking in terms of being a member of Roma. And now he's, he's back in the squad. So I don't know if that speaks to him and Mourinho working it out um, or, financially Pinto and management saying like, you need to work this out or what exactly it was. Maybe, you know, Mourinho trying to use his tongue lashing to get the best out of a player that he thinks might have some potential left and might be better than what Roma can bring in, in, in this time frame. We'll see. It'll be interesting for sure. Um, but, you know, we're right around the corner from, from some matches and meaningful matches. So um, one player who will come back, feeling confident is of course Paulo Dybala what, what do you guys think about the World Cup and limited role but being part of a winning side and how that could affect him now you know back with Roma um I'll I'll jump in I'll, I'll say that um he's definitely he's gonna come into Rome back to Rome feeling loose feeling free feeling like a weight's been lifted off his shoulders I don't think he cares um you know we, we pinched it at it I don't think he cares that he didn't play too much. Um, just kind of seems to be a unity about that Argentina squad that allows even the role players to be totally comfortable in their role um, and embrace that kind of next man up mentality when, when you're called upon. Um, and as we saw him bury one of the PKs um, in the final, which is a very high pressure situation, um, I think he'll come back to a team that he knows is his um, as soon as he sets foot on the pitch. I know Pellegrini's the captain, but when the ball the ball was healthy and firing on all cylinders, the play was going through him in one form or another. So, um, you know, having having that weight lifted off his shoulders and then coming back to um, a role where he is the guy, I think we'll see. A lot of great performances from him wouldn't really uh, want to put a specific number out there for fear of being completely wrong. But um, I think I think he's going to come out, you know, dominant. And uh, hopefully the rest of the squad is up to snuff despite their preseason uh, defeats. To, um, and, so I, and I think Roma can really go on a tear um, and ride the Dabala wave. Yeah, he should be full of confidence at this point, right? And he should have rested legs and maybe have a little hop in his step because he's back from injury. He's he's won a World Cup. He's been training with players like Messi day in and day out. Um, and kind of maybe that will have him feeling good about himself. And hopefully he could rub off on the rest of the team who was watching him from 
you know, from Portugal, I guess, was the when they he was in the final they're watching from maybe the hotel over there, resort wherever they're staying and and can kind of uh maybe take some inspiration from it. And, you know, with the mess that Juve's in, we don't know how they're gonna be performing on the pitch. You know, the other clubs have their their holes like we've talked about so maybe an inspired Dybala can do enough to at least get Roma to the top four if he gets some uh, contributions from some of his teammates it'll be interesting to see um but I'm excited to have him back and rested and healthy and and feeling good about himself yeah I would agree with that um I'm not trying to do too many predictions for Roma in the next month or so I think I needed to see them do actual matches and not look at I, I've been too far away from the Roma verse for a bit to really make too many predictions. I will say that I think that there are a lot of players who have something to prove coming out of this World Cup break. And that can only be a good thing. I think that Zaniolo, Spinazzola, Abraham, even Dybala to a certain extent all have something to prove about their worth right now. And they've all been misfiring or injured. And for them to get a chance to show themselves off I think we could see Roma jump up the table pretty quickly over the course of the next month or two based off of that. But, you know, of course I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they're, they're able to jump off the table quickly and uh, kind of bounce back from a, a lackluster finish to the pre-World Cup part of the campaign. And and uh, they'll be able to get back in the mix for the top four and uh, make it an exciting second half of the season. So, Guys, I guess we'll wrap. I mean, we're heading into the the Christmas holiday, so Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, or Happy New Year, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever holidays are celebrated by our listeners around the world. Um, We thank you for joining us for a whole another year that's gone by here in 2022, and hopefully in 2023 we'll have some some great Roma things to talk about and and lots of winning to talk about. And you know, we had a trophy in this 2022 calendar year. Another in 2023 would certainly be something to uh, to celebrate. Yeah, thank you all for listening. And uh, my wish for the holidays is that we start the new year with news that Roma has signed Isco now that he is a free agent. I'm going to bring that back. Um, So hopefully that's something that happens. Yeah. So, Jim, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Happy holidays. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll be back hopefully uh, at some point next week, maybe in between the holidays, otherwise right after, before the Serie A campaign kicks off again. Thanks again for listening, and uh, keep up with the site for any updates, especially on the transfer market with that opening back up in January.